This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Put down the devices and spend that quality time. It's better to love what you have before life teaches you to love what you lost. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. This is Military Veteran Dad. I am your host, Ben Colloy, and it is Monday. And on Monday, you know what time it is. It is time to bring an awesome dad, an awesome resource, an awesome conversation into your life to inspire you to go from the dad you were yesterday to the dad you want to be tomorrow. Today is that day, and Josh Stephens' interview today definitely hits that home right out of the park because there is so much value and wisdom, and he lays his heart down on the ground for us to really see who he is and the struggles that he's gone through. And I know that this episode will bring many dads home. I want to talk about that for a second to bring every dad home. It isn't something I've talked enough about in the podcast. And I'm going to start correcting that and starting with this episode and last week's episode, because so much of my podcast is focused on helping dads become better dads. But within that, within every conversation, within every word that I write, on this podcast, within every resource and tool I bring to you guys to help you become a better dad, is woven into this idea that military dads struggle to go through the one thing that should be the best place we go through every day, and that's the front door to your home or the garage door to your home, depending on how you go into your door. That door often represents the scariest thing that military dads walk through. We've been to war. We've stared down Afghanistan and Iraqi soldiers and yet that door still scares us to death. There was a dad that I talked to a couple months ago, and he described that he felt like he lived in Afghanistan and he was deployed to Texas. Think about that for a second, that he actually felt more at home in Afghanistan and that he felt more comfortable at, in Afghanistan. And he felt like he was deployed as a stranger in a new land, in a new world, and he was right within our borders, and he was right in Texas, and he was going home every day to his family. That is the focus of this podcast, is to take you through that journey to recognize that it's okay to admit that. It's okay to admit that you don't like going through that door, that it scares you. And I know you're not told that it's okay to admit that something scares you, but in this podcast, the conversations we have, it is safe to admit that something scares you. Because if you admit it, especially out loud, find another brother to admit that to. Because when you give words to a thought, you then can do something with it. As long as that thought stays in your head, you come to crazy conclusions like your family is better without you. Guys, your family is never better without you. 
And until you exercise these crappy thoughts that you have and give words, give oxygen to them, it's going to be a struggle for you to move through them. And that is the focus of this podcast because so much of this mission is focused on that one goal to get you to come through that door and recognize the best thing, the best transition you have is waiting right there to go from the person you are at work to the uniform, whether you're a veteran and maybe serving in the corporate world, wherever it may be. But when you come home and be dad, that is the best title that you can wear. And that's the focus of this podcast. Let's get focused on Jeff Steffens. Josh is a passionate father, veteran, and a business owner. As the CEO of owner Hollywood Powder Company, Josh has spent the last three years building a highly regarded brand. Josh and his team are focused on delivering high-quality products to hardworking men and women just like you. In Josh's current role with Hollywood Powder Company, he focused on emerging markets growth and places a large emphasis on customer satisfaction. Throughout his 15-year tenure with the Wisconsin National Guard, Josh has built a reputation for developing service members both personally and professionally. His leadership style is focused on empowering those to achieve outstanding results, no matter what their rank and position. Now, that's someone I can get behind right there. Josh currently serves in the Guard in the role of Master Sergeant and is a Senior Enlisted Advisor of Intelligence within the Engineer Regiment. Josh's awards and decorations include Purple Heart, Army Commendation, Medal with Valor, Fifth Award, Army Achievement Medal, Fourth Award, the DeFleury Medal, Valerius Unit, Citation, and Afghanistan Campaign Medal with Gold Star. He's husband and father to two children. He's inspired daily by his family. Josh takes pride in being a father and watching his children grow up every day. When Josh isn't working, he's often spending time with his family outdoors or taking a late night, early morning run. Right after this interview, I actually drove up to Appleton and appeared on the Frag Out podcast, and it turns out Josh is about 10 minutes from Appleton, Wisconsin, and so I actually got to shake hands and have a great conversation with Josh, and I appreciate him so much because getting to meet a person that I've interviewed isn't something that happens, it happens very rarely that I actually get to meet these people in person. And Josh was just like he was on the interview. And I'm so glad to call him a friend and a fellow Wisconsinite. There aren't many people that I'm connected to in Wisconsin. And now I'm extended my family to Josh. And I know this was the beginning of a great friendship. I do want to go into a quick area that Hollywood Powder Company produces foot powder and different powders and sorts for athletes and military members in the military. He's got things called M323 Liquid Chalk. And my favorite, the M18 Crotch Coke. Now, this is essentially shaving powder, but there's a story that he talks about in the podcast, and I won't blow it, but the story tells you how this powder became about, and you get to say funny names like that, M18 Crotch Coke. All of that is over at militaryveterandad.com. Check out the show notes, and there is a discount code there for your purchase as well. Guys, let's get started with Josh Steffens. And don't forget to go check out his website and get yourself some M18 Crotch Coke to support the important areas. Welcome to the podcast, Josh. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your military service, and a little bit about your family right now. Uh, married, have two kids. Uh, son is six. My daughter is four. I've uh, been in the Army for just going on 15 years as a combat engineer. A few years ago, so I'm still serving, right? And uh, being an engineer, we're often a lot of times uh, right there with the infantry. So we do a lot of uh, mobility and counter-mobility operations. So a lot of time on our feet, living in the field. 
So I came uh, accustomed to living off of uh, like baby powder showers, you know, uh, no running water, things like that. Uh, I ran out in the field once uh, during a long exercise. I was chafing really bad between the thighs, horrible. I'm like, I'm never going to run out of this again. I picked up one of my buddy's bottle of gold bond. I looked at it, had two ingredients, talc and fragrance. I'm like, well, how, how hard could that be? And I said, well, I'm just going to buy the stuff myself. And looking at talc is pretty cheap in general. There's nothing really to worry about there. It's just uh, as I was looking up talc prices for to buy it in bulk, it was like a, a lot of articles about possibly causing cancer and different things like that. Uh, that was a no-go right from the beginning through a couple of years of just trial and error and trying a couple different uh, types of ingredients and mixtures came out with something we liked. And uh, the guys I was serving with at the time were kind of the guinea pigs and were able to try it. And um, then from there, it was just, they were the ones that kind of pushed and pushed and pushed saying, Hey man, you gotta, you gotta sell this. This is better than, than baby powder. So if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. That's always the best kind of inventions where it was built out of necessity and you're already very close to the marketing of who actually needs this to benefit from it. <laughs> what do you think a lesson is from that whole experience that you weren't expecting to find? Like, what did you do grow towards that maybe you're like, wow, I didn't really expect to have that happen? A lot of times we feel like we're prepared for things and especially in the military environment, you have a, you have a bag and there's certain things you need to have in that bag that was one of them that was never really, you know, that was something I had, but it wasn't like that is a, you know, no BS, something I need to have. Like I can't live without it. Once you get hit in the face pretty much or hitting the groin with not having it, it's like, well, that's uh, now I'm going to put that a little higher on the list. And now I know why. When you think about going through what you went through with that entrepreneurship and just serving all in general, where do you see your life going on the other side of serving now? That's a deep question on the opposite side of serving. So I have about five more years in this contract than to, to hit my 20. Um, and I'm, I might go past 20. You know, I might serve a little longer. But uh, obviously, our big focus right now is just uh, growing the brand, growing the awareness, and, you know, keeping the family life happy as well, too. So is your idea to go all in on the idea as well, just on the other side of transitioning? Right. Well, the luckily thing too is since I'm not quite to that transition point, I kind of have something that I'm working towards and working, uh, working with. Because transition transitions are pretty tough, and we've heard it time and time again from guys coming out, um, active duty guys that they come back and then they're just like, "Well, what what do I do?" Let's do a little bit of time travel. Let's go back to what brought you to the army. Oh man, I think it was uh, seventh grade, sitting there uh, watching the towers come down was was kind of the one thing that uh, um, solidified making me want to serve. And I think deep down, you don't really realize it because at the time it's not like, well, you know, I'm going to go serve. I'm in middle school. But um, to see the nation kind of come together after that and it's kind of always in the back of your mind, you know, and then fast forward going through high school, we're, we're still in Iraq, we're still in Afghanistan. Uh, needed a needed a kind of a purpose and a direction, uh, maybe an azimuth and a compass, and that's that's kind of what what lined me into it. It's a very uh, common reason. I don't know if anybody's ever answered it from the nine eleven point of view. I don't know if we've had any dad talk about it that way. When you started figuring out when you joined and you started becoming who you are today, is there any advice that you wish you would have had going back? You know, when, luckily, so I when I enlisted, 
you know, I was 18 and um, fast forward to now I, with a couple deployments when I was deployed, I didn't have um, a spouse or children at the time. So my perspective there is, was totally different. And then you, you look at 2020, a unit got called up in March to be on the front lines of kind of like the COVID response. And I spent uh, six, six months away from the wife and the kids. And we were told pretty much, hey, you've been exposed to potential people with this virus, so you can't go home. So it was a really, it was a real eye opener that way that, um, you know, makes me think back to when I was deployed and, you know, I was um, 21 at the time and one of our medics was a happy-go-lucky guy and he had two kids back home. And there was one day there that I remember to this day where he was just, you could tell something was wrong with him. Come to find out it was one of his son's birthdays and it was his first birthday that he wasn't going to be home for. In this guy's room, I mean, his wooden hut was just full of hand drawings and things like that from home. So that's when it kind of really put it into perspective. You know, looking back at it now, it's like, man, I, I can't imagine going through that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at least stateside. You know, and some people will kind of say, well, that's that's easier than overseas deployment. And there's merits to both sides, but I think a deployment's a deployment, and I think stateside can be a little more difficult at times when you're as close. And you're still very much surrounded by Americans living everyday lives versus you're in a place where there's nothing really that you recognize even when you're over in Iraq or Afghanistan. I can easily relate to that because I served all my time in Okinawa and I had a little bit of perspective towards a family. I didn't have a family when I served either. I observed all these families. We All we were doing was deploying to different parts of Asia, but going away and just spending Thanksgiving and Christmas with their families because we didn't have anywhere else to go. I just got to observe. I got to get connected to their families. And for me, I knew, I don't really think I knew, really knew compared to what I know now, but I knew that I was like, that wasn't what I wanted for my family. And so then I almost paused my life to start my family or even look for a girlfriend at the time until I got out of the military because I just didn't know. I, I knew I didn't want to have that be a part of it because it's, and you, you kind of got a witness to it when that looking back that that's essentially what you sign up for. But no one really tells you that when you start a family or when you get deployed, you almost hide behind that. You tell yourself this, this is all noble and that everything you're doing is for a reason and a cause. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter to your three-year-old that just misses dad. So the, the time when you were into for the COVID response, that was the first time you deployed away from the family? Uh, correct. Yeah, that was the first time I deployed away from the family, other than like, you know, a couple weeks here or there for, you know, schooling or, um, you know, trainings. What were some of the challenges you saw when you came back home after you were allowed to come back? Uh, initially, that that first week from, you know, when I was gone, I was pretty much living in hotels. I had a, a team of anywhere between 30 to 35 that were below me, and we were a pretty close-knit team. Uh, you know, when the, when the duty day was done, that was kind of my own time. Right. And I could, I could go run. If I was stressed out, I'd go run, I'd go work out, uh, I'd read a book. That's, that's my time. And then you come home and, you know, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. It's very important that that, that first week was, was a little difficult, honestly, to get back to their level and understand, Hey, I need to function as a, as a parent now too. And, you know, there's certain things that 
you leave your spouses behind and they're taking care of, you know, getting them ready for school, doing all these different things, Sunday school, uh, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts. And you come back and you're like, I don't know how you did it. Um, so that, that initial week was a little bit of a, just a shock and awe. Um, then after that, it was just, uh, you know, how can I help out? How can I uh, contribute? Most Americans, only part of coming home they see is all the videos of dads running in, meeting their kids at school, getting the big hugs. And that's usually where people stop seeing military family members get reunited. But that's only the beginning. Like that, once that honeymoon phase is like what you ran into, the integration part where you realize that your family learned to do every day without you. And there was probably a lot of feelings of, I'm not even sure they need me because they were working fine before. And now I kind of feel in the way. Did you feel kind of in the way when you came back or was it one where your wife was just happy to have another person that could help out? A little bit of both, honestly, for me too, it was kind of a, you know, I get up, I used to get up really early and uh, sometimes when I can't sleep, I'll, I'll run in the middle of the night or I'll work out in the middle of the night. It was to the point where I won't say it was like a, a depression, but it was like, I almost didn't want to get out of bed. Avoidance maybe. Yeah. A little bit different of a, of a stressor. Uh, like I said, it took it took about a week to get into a, a decent rhythm. Part of it too was just getting. I wanted to catch up, and I want to know. Like when I left, my son loves to fish. When I left, he couldn't cast a, an open face reel. I came home, he's casting in the backyard. I'm like, that was a that was an eye opener. I'm like, so I, I and he's so passionate about fishing, and my daughter's speech has came such a long way that I'm like, now I'm just so fascinated with like I want to catch up and I want to get back kind of that time I lost. And the part that you're having, you're, you're talking about there is recognizing that time passed. And the way I always explain that when time passed, when you're gone is treat like a time credit card that when you're borrowing from that credit card and when you're back, it's important to repay it with interest because as long as you pay it with interest, you can get back to a place where everybody's okay with where everything is at. But if you come back and continue to borrow it or run or say, instead of trying to re-engage the family or even recognizing it, there's probably a lot of military men out there that just continue to hide at work, that they come up with reasons that their command needs them to work late because they aren't comfortable going home because they don't feel welcome at home, maybe. Or that's what they tell themselves is they don't feel welcome, even though that's probably not a true thought if they were to actually speak it out loud. Right. I think there's a lot of bundled up. There's a lot to unpack there because it's uh, they don't really realize that um, the problem is is kind of stemming from them been in those shoes too, where I've decided to, I'm going to bury myself in work just because, you know, heck, that was a, that was a tough one last night. And it's kind of, but you got to identify that and you got to come out from it. And yeah, you got to have those discussions. Cause like you said there, just because you, maybe you feel that you're maybe not needed or, um, uh, that's, that's where you have those, those deep conversations. Like this is what I'm feeling and let's, let's talk it out. And the, even just there, right there at the end, talking it out, there's something that working with so many men, like I always ask him, cause I kind of have like a spider sense for when there's maybe the first time they've ever said something out loud, like maybe I'm a bad husband or maybe I'm a bad father and speaking truths to those words when they've only been thoughts, like there's a huge relief because then you're just kind of accept it and you can like, okay, I can objectively look at that. I can work on it, but until you speak it into words, like you can shape that lie in your head in so many ways. And this is ultimately what creates the worst case scenario in families where the dad comes to the conclusion that he's a burden and physically removes himself by taking his own life. It's because those thoughts just grow and grow and they get louder and louder. 
And the moment you say them out loud, then you can do something with them. You can be like, well, that's a dumb thought. I can get rid of that and throw it out. Or like, this guy has the same problem as I do. What was I telling myself? I'm not the only one feeling this way. Right. Um, the best thing you could do is just, uh, you know, because typical, typical male, right? You don't want to ask for help, especially you don't want to get help from another male when, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of things out there to help. You just got to ask, you got to ask that question, right? Even if it's asking yourself that question, but you know, those thoughts too, of like, uh, you know, people that take their lives, that, that doesn't start, that wasn't something that happened overnight. That was something that built and built and built. And then it was, you know, they, they felt that was the only option or the only, you know, available solution when, you know, it creates this void on the back end. And, you know, you'll hear some people too say, well, that, it was a selfish thing. And yeah, it, it, it kind of is. But at the same point, you know, when you're constantly suppressed and suppressed and, you know, it's like a, the one analogy I remember hearing years ago was this was almost like as if you're, you're drowning and you're underneath that kid in the, in the swimming pool, you know, on, under that rubber raft and you're trying to like push your way up and you can't, you can't, you can't. And then finally you just, you know, enough was enough. And it may be a selfish thought from our perspective, but the part that I've learned is I've interviewed dads that have tried taking their own life and failed or they got their, their lives were saved or and on the other side, I've talked to spouses. The part that I've come to realize is to them, it's the most logical conclusion and thought that they've ever had. Like they've spent so much time thinking about it. It's just like you putting on socks. It's very rational. It seems like the next step, it seems logical. And it just seems like this is way it's supposed to be. And that's why it's so important to speak it because once you speak it, the rational part of your brain can kick in and be like, that's not a good thought. That's just you continuing to think in your emotional part. And then you can objectively be like, that's not something I want to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not, uh, not everything in life is rainbows and unicorns. And uh, your brain has a, has a, has a good way of sometimes of manipulating negative thoughts and we can kind of get pulled, uh, into those traps. And the big thing there is resist the trap of holding yourself up to somebody else's, you know, expectation of you being a parent is one of, is one thing that keeps me grounded in that aspect is, you know, we have uh, goals as a, as a human being and as, as an individual, as a business. But when I can look down at my kids, they look up to me no matter what. And I got to, sometimes you got to remind yourself that you got to, you got to set the example. That's super powerful there because I can't, when I, when I did have a job and it was probably like the last year before I was eliminated that I really enjoyed coming in the door every day because the kids were home already. And that hero's welcome was something that I don't get anymore. I get it in like little pieces when they get off the bus, but it's not the same. And what you don't realize, and this is why it's so important to speak or just listen to podcasts or talk openly about your feelings is sometimes you just need that reminder that to your daughter, she still loves you and she's still the first love of her life. And to your son, you're still a hero that is so high on his list of who he wants to become that you really have to fall hard in order for him to be, especially when they're younger, like whatever you did do, maybe you like had a bad moment or you yelled or maybe you spanked even 10 minutes later, they're right back to normal. Like you have such an ability for forgiveness. It's the internal forgiveness that usually is where we get hung up on. That's that's a good way to put it, and that's 100% accurate because these, uh, like you said, they are your hero, and there's days where you don't, you know, you don't feel worthy of receiving it, right? But uh, 100% accurate. So when you came back from the COVID deployment, did your command do anything to help support the transition? Nope. 
unfortunately that that's uh so you did uh we did uh what they call as uh like a srp process sounds very formal and unemotional right that's uh in you know i don't mean to uh talk bad about a command but you know what uh they gotta pull their head out of their butt when it comes to that because what it was was a sheet of paper that had a bunch of links like hyperlinks and i'm not even talking it was this was a nice printed piece of paper this is something that's been photocopied for the last 20 years ben and it was handed to you. And here's your resources to build a resume. Here's your resources if you feel like you don't have a purpose in life. Here's some of your education benefits. Uh, that's not one way to run a business. I want I want hand something to somebody and then expect them, you know, wipe my hands clean of it and think, oh, they're going to be good. And then you turn around and look and look in the mirror and say, well, we got a suicide problem in the military, and we have all these veterans that uh, need assistance with resumes. And instead of you know addressing that you know, outsourcing it to let it be someone else's problem. I've always said that. Um, so in the Marine Corps, I'm not sure if how the army would uh, talk about this, but in the Marine Corps, we always joke, there's a Marine Corps order for everything, how to shave, how to do anything. Part, every part of your uniform has a, an exact guideline regulation of how it should look. There is not a single regulation or order on how to deal with your feelings or even that you are issued feelings and that you are capable of feeling something. Cause I've often felt like, if the military actually did issue an order, even if it just came from down from DOD and said, we issue feelings and these are the ones you're issued and this is what you can do with them, just acknowledging it, I feel like would give many military members just the ability to like look inward and say, oh yeah, that's what that thing is. But because we don't actually issue it as something we talk about, like you don't even feel safe talking about it with your brothers, even though you've just maybe been to war or even just been to COVID war on the front lines of COVID, you feel like you can do anything with them, but you feel like you can't reveal some of the deepest parts of what you're feeling because you were told that this isn't something that's army worthy. You don't talk about feelings within the military. Right. They're, they're very big on uh, teaching resiliency. And especially if you're deployed, doesn't matter if you're a CONUS or a CONUS, and that's uh, deployed continental U.S. or outside the U.S. That's what CONUS and no CONUS mean. Um, but it's essentially, you know, they, they build the resiliency when you're deployed. It's mission first. It's this, this, this. And they're really good with, you know, teaching you how to take, you know, the good with the bad. And then it's like they drop you off. That, that bus drops off when it's time to come home. The doors open up. And as soon as you step out, you're like in the middle of nowhere. And you go to wave them down like, hey, bus, this isn't where I belong. And then it's like, you know, middle finger out the window, they just keep rolling. And I, I think it's not intentional. I just think that we're so good about building resilience while we're, while we're serving. I mean, the military complex is the complex because it's a, a blob that changes hard. And unless it's legislated generally, they just ignore it and assume that they've got the better way because it's worked for the last 200 years. Why would we start asking better questions to get better results? And there's I've mentioned this a couple of times, but it's always worth repeating that I've always I dream of a moment where I either one get to speak to a military unit about emotions and feelings, or I'm a CEO or in some position where I'm just coming into it or I'm speaking to the company. And the first thing I'm going to do is share my worst dad moment, because to me, sharing my worst dad moment says two things. One, I'm not going to explode by sharing the most vulnerable story of my fatherhood to you. And two, we all have stories like this, and I just acknowledge mine in front of you, and I didn't die, and I want you to feel safe to do it among your peers. And to me, like that would be so powerful as an example that we acknowledge that families do exist, and not acknowledging them 
doesn't make any better. I mean, the Marine Corps also has a joke that's sad, but also true. If you, we wanted you to have a family, we would have issued you one. So the priorities and choices of the day reflect that your family is just this thing that you have on the side, but really you need to keep serving us. Right. And essentially too, that, that family that, cause you are issued a family and that's your, your, your brothers and your sisters or your squad and your, your section or whatever, right. That is your family. However, they, everyone in that family comes from a little different walk of life and that's a whole different, whole different topic, but that is a family. And then you leave that family to go back to a family that's, you know, this family walks a little different, has a little different sense of humor can say a little different things in front of the group, borderline, you know, offensive on all levels. And then you kind of got to leave that to go back to, you know, corporate life or, you know, there's certain things you just can't, you can't even say that like people, like something you'd say in the military that you're just like, oh, that's, that's just the way it is. You know, you say that back home and it's like, whoa, this guy's got, this guy's got a problem. You're like, well, it's yeah. And the other part that you haven't got into because you're still serving is once you lose the family that you were issued, no one really tells you that you need to find a new one and build a new one. And this is what I think many gets many veterans hung up is we adopt this idea that we need to do life alone and feel isolated as like a norm, because that's what men have been doing for the last 50 years of isolating more and more, even just in the civilian world, even the examples already out there. So we become that, but we don't really realize how much we counted on that tribe of people around us that when we were having a hard day, maybe even not with family, that they were always there to help us get us through. And on the other side, we don't have any of that. We don't really realize what we had. So we don't really worry about recreating it. But to me, friends and just having people to lean on when you're having a bad day, call them up and say, hey, I'm having a bad day. Can I talk to you? That in itself can be such a transformative process for men. Yeah. And that's, that's something too, where, um, you know, we see a lot of the, a lot of things too. And again, I'm still serving, so I don't really get the full, the full spectrum on this one, but you know, you see the the 22 pushups a day or, you know, a veteran with a sign and different things like that. And you talk to, you talk to, like I have a, right next to me, I have a notebook here, people I deployed with their names and numbers, right? And I was just looking at this before, before sat down with you. And I was thinking, man, if I call a couple of those individuals, I wonder how many numbers have changed, right? Or how many people are going to answer. And the other part that friendships have have done for me and why I, I talk about them so much is because a huge part of what you can't see when you, when the uniform gets removed from you, you often in many times where you join maybe by not knowing who you are and you don't know who you are when you take that uniform off. And maybe this has been something you've been subconsciously worried about. And now it's gone. You're like, you don't know who you are. Friends become the mirror for the things that you can't see because all you see is this empty vessel that you don't really know. It's just going through the motions of life. But friends can remind you like, man, you're a really cool dude. And you're like, and your part of your head's like, why is he saying that? I don't believe that. But it, he says it. it's most likely true. It's just your internal talk that comes up with BS reasons why it's not true. Me being here and hosting this podcast five years ago became fruition because I said hello to dads at the park and starting having conversations. And that little process for me, like that single hello got me to the point where I saw all this value that I wasn't honoring and then decided to start a podcast and bring it to the world. That reminds me of you kind of your story too. And I've, I've uh, fallen into the trap where you're at the park with the kids and then you look, you see this other dad and he's just kind of standing there, you know, 20 feet away, just kind of minding his own business. And then he, he looks at you and it's like, Oh, you look away. Like, we, Oh man, he caught me. Know, when it comes to it, like, I, I wish I would just walk over there too. And like, that's for some reason, that's such a hard thing for me to do. And I don't, I don't get it, but uh, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you made that step because 
you know, there is a lot of value to this and that's kind of what, you know, what made me gravitate towards you. For me, it was such a silly reason for why I didn't say no, because I was still pre-programmed from high school when the girlfriend or when the girl I would ask out said no for whether a dance or the date, like that feeling of rejection was subconsciously like re showing up in a whole bunch of different areas where I was like, I, I don't want to go up to him because if I say hi and he rejects me, like, what do I do then? Like, that's awkward. Or I, I deeply cared way too much about that rejection because I'm not going to die. I'm not going to explode. Like, he's not going to make my life worse because he said no. And the crazy part, this is the craziest part when you say hello and why you just have to say, fuck it and do it is because you find, quickly find out you are both eager to talk to each other. You're both just playing chicken, waiting for one, each other to go first. Like that was apparent in the first like four or five dads that I talked to. Every one of them was just as eager to say hello. We were just both operating on this BS code that men don't talk to each other at the park. We don't network like moms do. And I was just at the sledding hill maybe last week, I think with the kids and it was weekdays. So there weren't that many people there. And there was a dad there with his kids. And we talked for like the entire 20 minutes and it was a really good conversation. And I came home, I told my, my, my wife and I was like, I made a new friend of the park. And she's like, of course you did. Cause she's been used to this idea. And she mentioned a little bit later, she's like, I can't even believe that you keep doing that because she doesn't like doing that. And cause she still operates in that little fear a little bit, but man, when you get on the other side, like there are so many random places. Like for me, it was a sledding hill that day. And in the world of everything, Corona and being a stay at home dad and isolated up here in the winter, God, that conversation was all I needed that day because it just I felt connected outside myself and just felt amazing. Yeah, no, and that's that's something I, I I should work on grabbing the stones to do because even I I picked up my daughter yesterday. I mean, the fact school. that you did say you don't have the stones to do it is almost like really is that something I really want to hang my hat on? All right, no, it's it sounds so it sounds so like, weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's also my, weird that it sounds weird. Like it shouldn't sound weird. Right. No, I, I picked up my daughter yesterday and there's another dad there, but usually, you know, when I, uh, I don't pick up my daughter too much, but when I do get a chance to pick her up, um, it's usually a bunch of moms out there. And like you said, they have no problem. Like they are chatting the to each other. Right. And then it's just me and this other guy just standing there like my hands in my pocket. I'm looking straight ahead. I'm not looking at anybody like, and I, man, I keep falling into that trap. Like, I don't. I still fall into it. I feel like in the dad, well, like when they're with their kids, I feel like that's my best moment. Uh, there still are a few cases where like if I'm maybe at a conference or if I'm in a place where I feel out of place and like I feel a little bit weird where I'm still having to work. But airplanes, I'm really good at. Like I've, I've had really great conversations, even with Marines that I've said hello to. And I'm like, oh, you're a Marine. And we talked for the entire plane ride. Like I could have sat next to Marine the entire time without saying hello and missed the opportunity. Um, my favorite question, it doesn't maybe work because where, you know, the kid's age when they're at preschool, cause they're all the same age, but like at the park, the, the question that I always ask that works every time, they don't even know what, they don't even know what's coming. They answer without even thinking is you just say, how old are your kids? Cause you quickly find a place of talking point and then you start comparing notes. Cause you tell them how old your kids are. And every conversation is always, I think even the sledding hill, I use that and it just always works. They start talking and next thing you know, you've got a conversation going. And they don't even know what really happened, but you both like what happened. Right. No, I, I like that. And uh, I'm going to write that down because, yeah, maybe not maybe not work with them. But, I mean, maybe they have more kids. Who knows? They have more kids? And, or that would be another good thing. Or how many kids do you have? Or Because 
what I find that most men like that I talk to that maybe are in the moment where like they wish life to be different, like they have the consciousness to realize they want different, but they they don't really know how to do it. Most of them, they just need to be heard. And when you give the gift of a dad being heard, whether maybe they share something really heavy they're having that day, or they just get to have a light moment with you about maybe the sports or a football game the weekend before, there is just something powerful when another dad gets to be heard. or And when you give that feeling away, like you and yourself also feel good because you helped another dad maybe feel something that he wasn't really capable of feeling. And he's like, wow, that, did that just happen? And you know what it really is the, the harder part? The hard easy part is hello. The harder part is, Hey, what's your number? Because that's the part where I've, I've I feel like I've I've started doing it a couple more times in 2020, but it's still I mean it just feels weird and awkward to ask another dad for his number so that you can text him because once you have his number then you have some glue to like hey that was a really great conversation at the park or also I have the phone numbers where I like hey we're heading to the park if you want to bring your kids so like you can kind of like coordinate it but if you don't have their number you can't coordinate shit so you got to get their number. So that's really where you need to graduate to because once you get their number and you can repeat the success and now you got a friend. But if you don't have a number, you just have a random conversation in the circumstance of the universe. Right. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to take the baby step and I, I got to get that random, not random, but I got to get that conversation started. And it sounds so weird. It just like it feels weird and it shouldn't. It just. And to me that like, this is the craziest part of my podcast, my story is so much of our life is on pause until we say hello. But on the other side of that could be a conversation that changes your life forever. Like there are so many conversations on the other side of hello. I'm like, whoa, that just like completely just rocked my world for what happened, whether it be at a conference, doesn't matter. I've even had some at the grocery store where I'm just like, wow, did that randomness just happen? And like, it's crazy to think that on the other side of hello can be something you waited for your entire life but you'll never get there because you'll miss 100% of those shots you don't take. So, I mean, think of how many shots you've missed because you haven't said hello to spark up a conversation, spark up maybe a new business venture with connected with the, the foot powder. And like, you never know what you're going to find. And the other part that you begin, depending on where you're at with this conversation of saying hello, is when you start saying hello, you start getting perspectives and windows into other people's worlds. And what we don't realize as Americans and even just as veterans also, there is so much world out there and we've kind of got witness to it because we get exposed to it when we travel, when we're deployed and we're in a melting pot of a bunch of different people's lives together from across, across America. But there are so many different types of entrepreneurs or so many different ways that people make money. There are so many different ways, like even me being a stay-at-home dad, I wouldn't have had this idea or even thought it was possible until I heard that there was actually a stay-at-home dad convention last February when I went to a dad conference and I was like, there's an actual convention of stay at home dads. There's like enough stay at home dads in the United States. There's a convention. Yeah. There's like 300 people go. I'm like, Whoa. So that like that sparked my entire world of like, Whoa. And it's been unwinding ever since. No, I, I had that problem too. And you, you brought the business, which is a good point. Like I, a lot of times, um, you know, the pr- perspective is perspective is very powerful. And a lot of times, like I wouldn't even have a conversation where someone, until someone really asks you like, oh, what do you do? What do you do for work? It's not something I, I feel like it's kind of like a pretentious or a pushy subject where like, hey, I, I own my own business and I'm doing this. Whereas like I'm not trying to sell or gain another follower or grab anything like that. But um, I kind of shy away from that the same way I kind of shy away from those uh, random conversations with 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 dads or 
you know, uh, anybody. And I, um, it's not, it's not good, you know, because I've had plenty of conversations where like, man, that, that person said, that's the coolest thing I've, I've heard. And they, you know, then they send you messages later, like, Hey, I really like your products. And it's actually opened up the window to, you know, getting into stores and different things like that, where it's like, I mean, you never know if you're on an airplane, if you're sitting next to a target product manager, be like, yeah, this is an amazing product that we need to have on the store as a target. And you're like, whoa, did that just happen? Right. I, uh, last year I was flying back from Alaska in February and I I met a lady that, uh, runs her own, um, business here in, uh, like, uh, the Valley of Wisconsin where, uh, I forget what it's called, but it focuses on, on students outside of school if they have areas of emphasis they need to work on where she kind of started this and like she had pamphlets with her all this different stuff and i'm like well i shared i got gave her my business card and different things like that and i'm like we're in the same we're going pretty much to the same spot but i'm like you don't even know and i feel it's a it's a little easier on an airplane maybe not at first you know i can dive into a book on an airplane but even then after you put the book aside and then just say, well, where, where are you going? Where are you coming from? That's the best way to start there. Cause you're both on a plane. You're both going somewhere. You're both going. So I've had a lot of moments where I could have read, read a book. I've even interrupted people sitting next to me. They're reading books. I'm like, I could just let her read her books. Maybe she just wants to read her book. And I'd be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm saying hello. And then we talked the entire plane ride. I was so unaware of the plane ride. I didn't even know we had taken off and landed until the bounce. Right. I'll see somebody like I'm, I'm, I'm really big into like astronomy and physics. And, uh, I saw a guy had, he was right reading, uh, Einstein's general book of relativity. And I'm like, he was sitting right next to me. So I'm like, well, we're going to put this book down and we're just going to talk some, uh, gravitational waves and stuff. <laughs> it reminds me, I was on a flight to Florida and I was on this flight because I'd actually missed my first flight out of Chicago one time. So I had to get rebooked and take off later in the day. And I had to get connected. I missed my nonstop flight for a connection in Miami that I had to go through and it was like 10 o'clock when I was changing planes in Miami. I got to sit next to this guy that works at Los Malamos Laboratories in New Mexico. Like, and that was, I don't know whether it was fully true. Maybe he didn't work there, but he had some really good stories that really entertained the flight. That would have never happened if I didn't talk to him. And the craziest conversation I think I've had was I was on the way back from DC from that dad conference and CPAC had just wrapped up. And so there was a bunch of college kids coming back into Milwaukee. And I sat next to one of them and I was just kind of having a conversation with him. And I feel like in this case, it was a real stretch because I mean, like he's 22. So like a 35 year old at the time trying to talk to a 22 year, we have nothing in common really. So I was really on the threads, but he started talking. He's going to become a surgeon, different things and what he was doing there. And I tell him my story. I talked to him. I even tell him he should start a podcast. And turns out after we get to the gate in Milwaukee, there's this veteran sitting behind me listening to the conversation the whole time and hands me a a card that he works with homeless veterans in Milwaukee. And had I not had the balls to talk to the home or the college kid from there was 22, this guy behind me would have never even heard me say anything about what I do. So like there's actually an entire degree that you don't even know it could happen by opening the conversation. Cause to me, that kid has had never done anything with my life since that conversation. But the guy behind me, there's more likelihood that something in the future is going to happen because we exchange contacts and we email every other month, maybe just checking in on each other. Like it's super, super crazy on the other side of hello. And you're, you're kind of cementing it for me that uh, that's just something I just need to maybe pull in and just, you know, take those baby steps. Maybe we're like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm just going to make one random act and I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm just going to talk, strike up a conversation. That's my goal today. Like outside of business, like that is my goal. 
or go to the gym and, you know, I don't talk to anybody at the gym get in, get out, done. And maybe just, you know, check box, say hi. Even at the grocery store, I always do the grocery shopping. So I always know where everything is in the store. I've got the pretty much the store memorized. I can even tell my wife when her friends ask, where'd you get this? I'm like, it's aisle 22. It's on the left-hand side. Like I've got the whole store memorized. I've been doing it for years. So I like just randomly walking up to lost people and be like, what are you looking for? Oh yeah, it's over there. And, um, or if I see them, like there was one random moment, someone was looking at the sour cream for like two minutes. And I was like, you just need to buy the eight ounce ones because when you buy the eight ounce ones, they last for three months. They don't go bad. You open up what you need and you've got more than enough in there. And it's like 50 cents. So you're not like actually buying a bulk to save money. And anytime, any dad listening to this that finds moments where they're a little bit scared to say hello, generally from a subconscious point of view, there is something in your shadows that you're afraid for them to see. And you're probably not even maybe acknowledging as well in this case that there's something that if they see this, man, I'm going to be very naked, even though you're not naked, you're still wearing clothes and you're still who you are and you're still the exact person you were before that. There is still something below that where, where we wear these masks. And if we say hello to this dad at the park, he might see what really is behind that mask. And that sounds really scary. Yeah, I think um, that to me sounds more logical than you know, I'm not uh, not a person that's afraid of rejection, and uh, you know, I've been rejected hundreds of times, even in business. I get rejected, but then for you know five no's, I get six yeses or one yes or whatever. I'm still moving forward. I think that's more relevant, honestly, with what what you just said. With you know, deep down, something in my conscious maybe that is afraid to be seen. Right. I I don't know what it is, but uh, you know, we're we're all a little self conscious. Uh, on certain days. Um, but I think, man, I, that's pretty deep. It's a lot to unpack there and how to, I think you're that that's what sounds like it makes the most sense to me is, you know, what we're afraid of showing others really isn't, we shouldn't, shouldn't be scared of it, but we like, for me, I don't know what it is, but I think that there's something there. And a lot of times where my thread goes back to asking girls out in high school, but the thread generally goes back to a moment sometime probably between where you didn't remember anything when you were born and when a toddler or uh, between like five and 10, maybe, or even in your teenage where you were subconsciously avoiding doing something. And now your brain understands this emotion because it understood it back then. And it understood that to survive, to, to get a lot, to stay alive each day as a kid, I had to avoid this moment in time. As long as I avoided it, I made it to the next day. But now as an adult, you've implanted that same subconscious behavior into other ways that avoid you doing some of the same things, even though the result is completely different. You still have the same emotional condition response to it. That's, a, that's an eye opener for me. I'm sorry. I said to really uh, think about it because um, like, you, like you said, maybe, maybe you're suppressing something that you that is there that you don't know what it is, or maybe, maybe, you know, um, you know, you see some people and they can just walk right up into any conversation anywhere. It doesn't matter. You think, man, this person's kind of obnoxious or when in actuality, I'm like, I kind of wish that I had more of that that and just, yeah, you see those people and they're, they're so lively and they're so bubbly. And it's like, I'm just kind of like on that straight and narrow. We're like, I got to do this to do this, to do this, to do this. And um, getting to that point would be, would be great because that's you know, like you said, you never know who you're going to meet, uh, along the way. 
and you know uh, ideas and perspectives come in all shapes and sizes and sometimes that's all you need is a different way or a different idea and off off you go and a common one for dads in that served in war that lost a friend it comes from almost shame that I couldn't do more or that he didn't come home. And many times we just feel like we can't acknowledge that emotion that maybe we're not dealing with the loss of a friend in war, or we just feel like we shouldn't be here. Like, why did I live? And he died type questions. I don't really have an answer. And in some cases, when we go up into a conversation, we feel like the, a person could figure that out, that I still feel shame that I'm here and my friend's not, or I don't feel worthy of being here. So I hide. Because it also happens, it's not so much related to a consciousness of it for me, but I know that when I get thanked for my service, I get very uneasy. Like I, I, I don't feel worthy of a thing because I didn't do. I, from my perspective, I didn't do anything special. I sat in Okinawa, fixed generators, and did my thing. And it's often it's just a mass that I'm feeling that I'm not acknowledging, and and it's these little micro moments that allow us to gain perspective and. I really didn't even just get that perspective till like two weeks ago when I interviewed someone, Rachel Duffy in the podcast, where I realized that when people thank me, I get really uneasy. And that uneasiness is because I don't honor my own service and I don't feel noble to receive what they've given me. Right. Again, there too, there's a fair amount to unpack. So when I deployed, I lost, uh, I lost a good friend and a team leader on October 2nd, 2009. And on that night, I remember everything that happened. I remember my last conversation with this individual. His name was uh, Ryan Adams from Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Um, and good friend, a good mentor, a good team leader. And I remember everything that happened that day to the night of and everything that led up to it. And immediately after, um, you know, the night he was killed, we were ambushed. Uh, seven of us were wounded, myself included. Um, I didn't even know I was wounded. Uh, like I just looked, I felt like my pants were wet, looked down the caked in blood. And, uh, it took me, man, probably a week before I could sleep. You know, I just couldn't sleep. And I wrote letters back to the family back home and I get back home and, you know, that it comes back every year where it's not so much flashbacks now, but it's like, you know, I still remember everything that happened and everything that I saw. And when you talked about, like honoring and service and something that you didn't really feel like you were honored in. Like when I came back, it was like, I just wanted to mind my own business and uh, not talk to anybody. And uh, I felt the same way when somebody thanks you for your service and I still honor my service. But uh, when somebody else thanks you, it's kind of like you get this guilty, guilty subconscious thing where uh, like even for your shoes, you say, well, you're in Japan or Okinawa and you did fix generators and whatever, but how cool is that, that you were able to uh, sign up when there's individuals out there that wish they could serve and just can't, but not only did you sign up, you completed your training, you completed your time and you came back and it may not seem like much to you, but that could be to that person that couldn't serve. That's where they get that, you know, that's why they're thanking you. And maybe it's their father, maybe it's their grandfather they lost. Um, I still feel the same way though. I get that, that uneasy, you know, kind of conversation. Like my grandfather passed away. He was in the Marine Corps. I didn't even know he was in the Marine Corps. I found out at, in his obituary. So. That is an odd place to find out that he served. Right. Right. 
Well, one, thank you for sharing what you opened up there, because if any dad listening to that and has a similar story, you just created a door and a window for them to maybe get some oxygen for the first time through a window, or if they're ready, even the door to acknowledge in a similar way what you just did about your friend. And did your friend, was he, did he have a family? Uh, no, well, he would, he has a sister, you know, so but he didn't have any kids. That's correct. No parents, no spouse. The best advice that I've heard when it comes, when the, when the, because I think it's even harder when he was a dad, especially maybe in the case for the, the corpsman, it was, no, it was army medic, army. And when that moment where they don't get to come home and their kids never get to see their father again, the, the frame of reference that I've kept in my heart when I feel lazy, even though I didn't lose a friend, but I still feel like I need to honor the people that didn't come home as well, is that they didn't come home so you could go home and be the best dad that you could be. And the best way to honor the, the, the life that they give you by being here and their life no longer is to love your kids two times as much because they don't get to hug their kids anymore and their kids never get to feel their father's love again. And you do, which is something I remind myself consistently of when I'm in a bad day, I'll I'll just really receive a big hug from my four-year-old. And sometimes that hug can just change my entire emotional state because I receive it for many of the dads that don't come home and for myself. And it's that feeling and acknowledgement that I get to feel this and I'm doing everything that I'm doing for not just myself, but the people that didn't come home because they didn't get to see their kids and their kids don't get to see dad anymore. Yeah. It's a totally, totally different, uh, realm there because you open up another can of worms like you know we talked about uh you know mental health issues and you know there's plenty of dads out there that have you know taken their lives and then you kind of look and say man you're not going to have the opportunity to walk your daughter down the aisle and a lot of times in life we take things for granted because we're not guaranteed tomorrow we're not even guaranteed the whole day and it's so easy to fall into that trap where you're, you know, guaranteed it, but such a, such a, that's a tragedy, you know. And anytime I'm just not, uh, the advice really came or the perspective really came to me. There is a big podcaster started just at the right time, John Lee Dumas. And he told a story that he was an army cavalry officer, I believe. And he lost, I believe, four or five soldiers in Iraq. And when they came home in Dover, he put their hand on their coffin and said, I commit to live a life worthy of the sacrifice and the gift that you gave me to come home. And I mean, the guy lives in a mansion in Puerto Rico, making a million dollars a year podcasting. He has created a huge legacy that lives up to the lives that they never got to finish. And to me, that's ultimately at the core of what I want to do with this podcast and anything else I put my mind to, or my family even, that I owe it to everybody else that didn't come home to create something worthy of the gift that they gave us all. So as we wrap up this podcast episode, what is a parting piece of advice that you want to leave every military dad from maybe either a moment of what you did in the COVID deployment or coming home from that, or just really any moment. And you mentioned before we get, got started about putting your, your iPhone down and getting electronics, getting connected. So maybe it's connected to that, but I'll give you the floor to gift a piece of advice that every dad needs to hear. Uh, the biggest piece of advice I give is quite simple. And it's something that is more relative now than ever before. And it's something that I have to, at times, listen to my own advice. And that is we need to put down our devices. We need to make that time and spend it with our loved ones, whether it's your sons, daughters, or just your significant other or your friends. Put down the devices 
and spend that quality time. It's better to love what you have before life teaches you to love what you lost. That's the biggest thing is we got to put down the devices and I, I could do that. I got to tell myself, I've had the wife tell me multiple times, Hey, we got to do it. One other piece too, is just resist the trap of holding yourself up to somebody else's definition of perfection. You know, we all have places we want to be. That's what I have for advice. I love that. And I hadn't heard that said that particular way about love what you have before you have to remember or, or grieve what you've lost. And that is Wow, that's powerful because so many people out there have lost something and it's always too late. And one of the things that I was thankful enough to be aware of early on is like you, our kids are young. And I realized something very quickly that these are the years every dad wants back. When they're 50 looking back, it's the ages between zero and 10 when you're the hero, you're the center of their attention. Every day they want to do something with you. That day is going to be gone and no one's going to tell you when it was the last day they wanted to play trains with you. And you got to make sure you're present for all of them because one, one day it's going to happen. And you're like a lot of ideas that I, or men I've heard talk to is they're like, well, if someone would have told me that was the last day yesterday, I would have paid attention. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. You you have to be there for every day because it's just going to happen. And just like that, your kids are going to walk just like that. They're going to start talking back to you just like that. They're going to want to play with you, all these different things. It's, it's really powerful advice. So I really appreciate everything. I appreciate this episode because we went into a lot of different areas and some deep areas. I'm pretty positive we brought a lot of dads home with this episode because of how you opened and shared your heart. And like I said, one man's story is another man's door. And you brought that today, Josh. So I am so thankful that you came into our life and willing to come on the podcast and share it. For the listeners out there, where is the best place to get in touch with your uh, foot potter so that they can get in touch with how to have better feet in the field? Yeah, thanks, Ben. It's, uh, it's been an honor to talk to you today. Again, we've been a big fan. Um, so, again, my name is Josh Steffens. You can find us at hollywoodpowderco.com. Uh, we sell foot powder, body powder, and gym chalk. Uh, my email is right in there. There's an about us. Uh, talks about myself, Nick, Levi, uh, kind of the story behind foot powder because it's weird uh, niche or niche to be in. Um, and we kind of attested to, like, the backstory in the beginning here. But, uh yeah, feel free to reach out there. I have my number on there as well. So if anyone wants to text or call, sometimes texting is easier. I get that. Uh, I'm always open. All right. Well, I'll make sure all of that information is in the show notes. So if you liked what Josh shared with us and you want to get in touch with the the foot powder, the chalk powder, and what was the third one? Uh, we sell foot powder, body powder. Body so, powder. Yeah, pretty much. It's It's pretty similar, different things. Like it's marketed a little differently. Well, again, I can't tell you. I thank you enough. All that information will be down there in the show notes if you want to get connected. Josh, thank you for coming on the podcast today and you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Josh Steffens. For all the latest information about this episode, head on over to militaryveterandad.com, including the show notes where everything about getting connected with Hollywood Powder Co. is available, Facebook, Instagram, their website, it's all there. And if you want to go ahead and remember to grab your own M18 Crotch Coke, it's all there on hollywoodpowder.com, and it's all there also in our show notes on militaryveterandad.com as well. So my big takeaway of this episode was that quote, that quote that just hit me and I'd never heard it said like that, but just to remind you of what that quote was, because it was so powerful, put down the devices and spend that quality time. It's better to have loved what you have before life teaches you to love what you've lost. 
And isn't that the truth for most military dads that have lost a friend in war? Because you don't really realize the the strength and the quality of your friendship until you don't have it. And then you spend the next however many years trying to get that friendship back or reconciling the emotion of that person no longer being in your life. And isn't it, it's sad, ironic, and however you want to label it, but the idea that we have to lose something in life before we realize what we have, whether it be our health. How many people don't wake up for their, their health crisis until they actually have a crisis, until they have a heart attack? How many people are a walking billboard for a heart attack but don't realize it until they have a heart attack? How many people prioritize their career right up until the point where their wife asks them for a divorce and they're like, oh, it's gone? And now you got to try to figure out how to love what you've lost because it's gone and it's too late. So the main message that I want to remind you of, of this episode and my big takeaway is just remembering to love what you have. I was recently reminded of this throughout the last 2020 of just reflecting on it, all the different memories, positive and negative. And you've been following the podcast. I've been talking about my life in 2020 and when what's going on. So much of it has been a yo-yo of, man, that was an awesome moment, or man, I feel like I just wanted to quit. But in the heat of it, I am thankful that I've been there, and I have been reflecting on and loving the time that I do have, and loving the life that I do have, even though it's hard. It's still a life that, man, I know 5, 10, 20 years down the road, I'm going to reflect on these years as some of my best years, and hopefully the best years of many more to come, But man, no matter what happens, I know that this year was one that, or last year was one that just really moved me in a way that grounded me and made me a better dad and brought more of that out. And again, put down the devices and spend that quality time. It's better to love what you have before life teaches you to love what you lost. If that quote resonated, if that quote hit you in a place that you weren't expecting, Head on over to bencloy.com. There is a free coaching call, a discovery call, where we can unpack what it means for you with that quote, figure out where you're out of alignment, and truly get you to come home to your family, maybe for the first time because you've been running from your family for so long without really knowing it. And again, head on over to bencloy.com. There's a free 45-minute discovery call there waiting for you. I help men, it's part of our signature coaching program, to come back home to their family, to re-engage with everything that is fatherhood, with being the husband that your wife needs, to being the human being that you need for yourself, because a lot of coming home is actually beginning to love yourself, because when you have something inside, then you can give abundant to something on the outside, and you can't give what you don't have. Guys, as always, I appreciate you listening to the podcast, and I'll talk to you guys again on Friday.